claimed this week that he did not fail at United. Well, he didn't. He absolutely bossed the Champions League semi-final, which a player of his level of ability has absolutely no right to do. Yes, mind you, Anderson also had a good game in that one. So let's uh, let's put it into perspective, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's. How are you doing, Ed? Very good. Yes, uh, another win for United. Uh, shored up our five-point lead in the in the Premier League title race. Five points ahead, four games to go. It's definitely well into squeaky bum time now, but a solid win against Villa and sets us up nicely for the, the week ahead and, of course, the Derby game in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, uh, Villa game was an interesting one. Obviously, huge pressure heaped on United by City's absolute demolition of Norwich. There was me giving it the old big one that I thought Norwich were going to give City a really good game. Well, it looked like they might for about 50 minutes or so. Yeah, and then Carlos Tevez... Oh, giving it the old golf club celebration. Hooray! He's pretending to make fun of the whole club as far as I can work out and take the mick out of Mancini and... I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I'm not sure he's that subtle or bright. Well, I, I think that's the thing. He's he's not very bright. Uh, and so it was a crass celebration. Uh, it, it, it's just incredible. He, he's their hero now, is he? After refusing to play and uh, being kicked out of the club and, and uh, going on sabbatical for six months. Oh, there you go. Football's a strange sport, isn't it? And that's a very strange club. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps the strangest club anywhere in the world at the moment, Manchester City. Yeah, and that's not just me saying that because of us being United fans. I think it's it's very strange, the goings on there. But no doubt they've got an effective partnership up front in Aguero and Tevez. Uh, and it's a good job he did go on sabbatical for six months, really. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe at the end of the season, City will have cause to think, well, what if? What, what if they'd handled the situation differently? What if they'd accepted Tevez's claim that he, he just thought he was warmed up enough already? What if? what if what if they might well have scored the goals after the new year uh, away from home that they hadn't done previously and they might not have had that bad patch and they might not be looking at a five point gap in the Premier League but but that's uh, City's loss our gain and and we've got our own troublemakers in the United side haven't we Ashley Young again second time in two weeks falling over rather easily I might add oh what a shame it is to have a player doing things like that I mean alright so yeah uh, very lazy and poor defending as Gary Neville pointed out at some length but there, there's no question that Ashley Young made sure that there was contact that there wouldn't have otherwise been by trailing a leg and then jumped a couple of foot in the air to flatten himself on the ground and I don't know how anyone could argue that that was not a dive by Ashley Young an attempt to win a penalty that he wouldn't have won without contorting his body into weird shapes quite clearly he's deliberately sought the leg I mean the defenders allowed him to do it because he's left his leg in there uh, don't need to go into that really I mean it's uh, well covered in some length and and kind of thing has been going on for some time I'm thinking back to Gary Lineker in the 1986 World Cup he won two penalties for England in the quarterfinal against Cameroon in exactly the same way exactly although Young Young uh, tends to exaggerate his dive hugely doesn't he so I, I wonder I wonder whether Alex Ferguson's criticism afterwards that uh, he'd exaggerated his dive would uh, will have some resonance with Young and he'll calm down uh, interesting that you said it's not a habitual thing and then you look back to years of him doing it Aston Villa yeah there was some irony bypass going on in the Villa fans response to Ashley Young diving to win a penalty against them because he'd certainly done it a few times to win a penalty for them a word for our more pedantic listeners Ed of course meant the 1990 World Cup although Gary Lineker may have dived in the 1986 World Cup but I don't remember that one actually I don't think I don't think I remember him diving in the 1986 World Cup he's got a few goals in the 1986 World Cup he sure did and he had a bandaged hand and the summers were longer and all seemed well with the world uh, and all that stuff until Butch Wilkins got himself sent off well no that was the start of it all going right it was Butch Wilkins getting sent off that that was the beginning of the you know and then poor old Robbo done his shoulder and then that meant that for some reason he had to start Beardsley and Lineker up front and it all exploded from there and it was 3-0 they didn't dive in those days no, Gary Lineker founded it <laughs> he did well, that might have been Franny Lee 20 years earlier. Regardless of, oh, all professionals do it, blah, 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 blah. Ashley Young is a serial offender, and we just don't need that at United. It's it, it massively lessens my enjoyment of the game. Once again, it was extremely unnecessary, given the context of the game. A game we won easily, and, you know, he, he had options. I think the one against QPR, he'd sort of run out of options with the move, so there was there was kind of more more point to it, really. But he had, he had a lot of options 
of delivering a good ball or even getting himself in the position to have a shot but he only had one thing on his mind and that was to win a penalty for the team serial offender you said and all pundits making food analogies oh, bad joke uh, Gary <laughs> Neville blamed it on the continental culture and ciabatta and balsamic vinegar and a bit of olive oil interesting he's such a xenophobe Gary Neville I love Gary Neville and like I like his Twitter account and his incredible punditry and his undisputed status as one of the all time heroes of Manchester United Football Club but the man is a raging xenophobe it's like anything foreign to him means kind of weirdly sophisticated and a bit cheaty maybe that's what it was like in his household when he was younger I guess it's uh, it's all a bit new to him still I mean the amount of time he spends in London these days at the uh, Sky Studios he's uh, obviously getting a dose of sophistication it's coming not coming easy to him it's not although this morning's Twitter revealed that he has Peppa Pig and a Hello Kitty tiny chair and someone tweeted at him which one's for you which one's for Phil which I thought was extremely amusing the the game the game apart from the dive which to me was like horrible and cheaty and pointless and unpleasant interesting to see Rio with his back turned while Rooney takes a penalty something we can all relate to given Rooney's penalty uh, proclivities yeah um, Rooney scored the last few though so uh, but he he actually doesn't have a great record does he so I can can understand Rio's temptation there because Rio revealed on Twitter this morning more of his music habits so everybody hurts by rem an okay song i mean everyone likes a bit of rem i suppose but a a little bit middle of the road that one i thought rio was into you know cutting edge r&b and that kind of thing that's a it's a wonderful song it's one of the best pop songs of our age anyone you know it's it's a, a genuine and heartfelt attempt to express empathy through the medium of music okay so rem had definitely become much more mainstream by that time but partly because their effect on the mainstream was to shift it over to the left a bit to include them in it so it's a wonderful song and um, I'll not have Rio getting any stick for that uh, next he'll be tweeting that he's a big Phil Collins fan there's no comparison <laughs> between Automatic for the People era REM and Phil Collins I'm just winding you up anyway we, we should probably talk about some football yeah and because there was a game and, and United won it and a penalty early penalty certainly helped didn't it and calmed the nerves and United never really looked like uh, losing the game at all after that Villa really didn't uh, show much in the game at all and, and I thought United were quite safe from a very early stage. A couple of good chances for Villa, a couple of good set pieces but apart from that no they really didn't show much but that's because they haven't got much to show. A uh, remarkably poor team under Alex McLeish. Very very helpful, well-timed perfect reverse curse of the rank cast goal from Danny Welbeck. We said he needs to improve his finishing and there wasn't a lot of finishing to be done with his goal but he definitely put himself in the right place at the right time. He certainly did. Yep, good time for me that's uh, 2 in 15 now for Danny Welbeck he certainly needed a goal it was getting to the point where we were a bit worried that uh, Rooney had had a couple of bad games and uh, Chicharito is not scoring and Welbeck's not scoring where would the goals come from though good timing on that one probably secured his place for the in the team for the weekend's game against Everton especially since Hernandez appears to be a, a player that's picked away from home at the moment rather than at home and decent finish from Welbeck decent performance all round I thought uh, from United no one particularly stood out uh, I didn't think it was an outstanding performance by United wasn't a poor one though and we've had a, a lot closer games in recent weeks I think it's one of those games that you expect United to win Villa at home good record against Villa at home very good record against Villa at home and, and if we weren't winning those kinds of games then we couldn't really lay claim to the title that's not an acceptable level of analysis Ed uh, we were alright no one played particularly well I, I, I thought that Valencia actually had an extremely good game and uh, him and Raphael formed a, a fine partnership and he was in he was in full beast mode a few times in fact and Skulls was absolutely magnificent for the 60 minutes he was on the pitch. Perfect, imperious Skullsy performance. A few, a few sighters from the edge of the area. Sadly, the one that was absolutely stunning and flew off his foot like a beauty just crept wide, which was a real shame. The volley from the corner. Of course, he's done and scored a couple of those before. I think back to Bradford years and years ago. And then one against Villa, though, that was from a clearance off the corner. And so he certainly knows how to hit them. And it looked like another training ground routine. That one, a real shame it didn't go in pick out performances yeah Valencia was it was alright I mean I think he's played better this season Rafael had another solid game and surely is United's first choice right back now and, and there shouldn't be any kind of debate about that one and Evans and Rio were excellent at the back again and I thought Everett had a very good game and uh, he's come back into some form during the running and there's lots of question marks about him obviously during the Suarez affair it did seem to affect him and last season he had a particularly poor season by his very very high standards and he, he seems to be coming back to somewhere approaching his best a 
a look at the, some of the data over the last three years on Evro. It's always, always good to back up an opinion with some, some actual facts, isn't it? If you take the key sort of 10 or 12 metrics, uh, he, he dropped in almost all of them last season and, and he's up near his form if you just base it on the data of about two years ago, although not quite there. Uh, be interesting times with uh, Fabio leaving because it leaves Evra as probably the only left back at the club. Yeah, we'll definitely come on to that later in the show. I think a, a word for the midfield combination of Carrick and Skulls, because last week we talked about the devastating effect of separating that partnership at Wigan and reintroducing Giggs into the middle and him giving the ball away a third of the time, almost a third of the time. It was fantastic to see how well the two of them worked together and they just kept the whole thing humming from pretty much start to finish there's a little lull in the second half Rooney got on the score sheet twice had a really good first half like I missed the game at the time I've watched a recording of it and when I asked for feedback people said like Rooney was rubbish but he scored twice and he did have a pretty lousy second half Rooney but he was actually pretty effective in the first half and he tried a couple of things which very nearly came off to great effect yeah I mean I suppose if you just look at the passing graph then then it doesn't look very pretty even lots of red on on Rooney's and, and I thought he was a bit casual and, yeah definitely and in fact that's about what Ferguson said which was a fair summary of, of Rooney and I don't know whether it's because he needs the intensity that was, that was Ferguson's analysis of it or whether he's just not playing very well at the moment I mean it's it's really remarkable I mean we, we've been talking about what we're going to do for the end of the season and obviously one of the things we'll do is look at player of the season and I've not really seen Rooney mentioned in anyone's player of the season discussion but he's just scoring goal after goal after goal is he within three of Van in the Premier League now. Yeah, and, and four of his, his best ever campaign, so which he may well get at, at this rate. Yeah, he will do. And, and you wouldn't believe it, would you? Because there's been such large periods of the season when you just don't feel like it's been a classic Rooney campaign. And, and it's, it's been a campaign of a couple of halves, really, for Rooney. I mean, he started out the season as an out-and-out striker and, and has played much of the of the second half of the campaign in a much deeper role as United has sort of flicked between this 4-4-1-1 or 4 2 3 one and whatever way you want to sort of present that and, and played off another striker for, for most of the time since January really but that's when his goal scoring forms really kicked off as well because it's which is counterintuitive well he had that he had that blitz at the start yeah, of the season he did. then a big gap I mean he's always been a bursty player hasn't he in terms of goals yes very much so very much so I, I can't really put my finger on why that is the case he just goes through these hot streaks and then and then the goal doesn't come for quite some time I mean I think one of the reasons that it's the case as I, I've said in various different ways is that He's just, you know, quite an odd character psychologically. He's, you know, he's he's a pretty unusual person, I think, Rooney. And, you know, confidence plays a huge part in that. But then there's the weird thing where, like the Villa game, it, it didn't look like he was playing with much confidence whatsoever. And his two goals, one was a penalty, one took a massive deflection. So, you know, even even though he didn't have the confidence, it's still sort of just the ball's just bouncing right for him at the moment. Yeah, well, let's hope it continues. Though. Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping it bounces in off his head into the city net in a couple of weeks' time. A couple of notable cameos in that game Nani came on scored a lovely goal wonderful to see yep. that um, and a uh, man that we said last week on the show would never play in a United shirt again Dimitar Berbatov came on and what was lovely was his reception from the United faithful uh, very audible renditions of the Dimitar Berbatov song a couple of times you know, which I, I thought was really nice given that his place in, in the hearts of many United fans is, is so uns- unsure I thought I thought it was good to see yes uh, but I mean we, we protect our own uh, and also I, I suspect there's quite a bit of sympathy going around for Berbatov now because he's been frozen out of the team and it, and it feels a bit unworthy I'm not quite sure what Berbatov did to not only not start that's one thing Ferguson's got lots of choices in attacking positions especially as he only really plays one uh, one proper striker and, and uh, someone deep or he plays a, a trio and they rotate but to not even get on the bench for so many of the last dozen or so games has been a real shame for a player of Berbatov's talent and it, and it began to feel like it might be personal so I mean he, he came on so maybe it isn't uh, maybe it's just that Ferguson thought he'd have a, a few more options of course that meant that Paul Bogba dropped out of the out of the bench and into the reserves played for the reserves in midway come on and chat about the reserves in a little bit but um, uh, in, interesting a few more conspiracy stories it's, it, you can almost time the flow of the stories can't you not on the bench it means he's going uh, cue uh, recycling of all the old same stories that seem to go around in circles 
Yeah, although, you know, not on the bench means he's going, doesn't it? Isn't isn't that how it works? I'm not sure he played for the reserve, so he's not being frozen out. No, that's true, that's true. So, I mean, he did actually play, so who knows? And the reserves had two games this week. He didn't play in Thursday's game, but he did play Tuesday's game. Uh, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the bench for the game against Everton coming up at the weekend. So let, let's do a bad news, good news situation. United at other levels have been a mixed week. Knocked out of the FA Youth Cup, a, a brave effort from the young lad. Yeah, Friday night at Stamford Bridge and it was a brave effort. I thought they played much better than they had done in the first leg. Gave a very good account of themselves who actually, although Chelsea, good first half, United came more and more into it and were beginning to dominate and, and there's a there's a very real pattern to the way both the, the youth and the reserve teams play and they basically always play with a sort of 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, you know, mix of that with one striker and, and the youth team play on the floor all the time. It's very much one touch pass move uh, it's not quite tiki taka but it's it's a good approximation of it and they've got some extremely talented players in there and, and even with a few injuries they've they, and a young side they've they gave a good account of themselves and it's a team that's grown over the year I and mean, this is a team that i think has only actually won six games in the academy league uh, but it's had a very good uh, fa youth cup run as the side grew over the over the course of the season so uh, many of them will stay together for the next campaign and they ought to be a good force next season and i think there's plenty of talent there and it looks bright from that point of view of course very few of them will ever actually make it at United that's just the way of things with youth football but but they're a very good side to watch and, and then on to the reserves who've had a blinding season by comparison and and taken their Premier League reserve North division with I think they've got three games to go or something like that uh, not including the game against Liverpool played on Thursday and uh, and won it by they'll win it by miles uh, as a result and uh, a very very good campaign indeed yeah two all draw against Liverpool uh, but it was all over with a 6-3 win with a massive comeback from the lads very United-esque way to win the league from the little ones it's a stunning game actually yeah I mean I was out in the gym so I only caught half of it on the TV I had to download more highlights so I could watch it all over again so it was a 3-0 down and within about half an hour and then came back to win 6-3 and, and to be honest it could have been a lot more and Will Keane got four though I think the man who really stood out in the game was David Petrucci the Italian who many people think has got a bright future at United and it looks like he's going to sign a new contract which is interesting because he's actually out of contract in the summer and, and uh, given he's had so many injuries over the last couple of years and not quite developed as everyone had hoped and this this has kind of been his breakthrough year at reserve level in truth and, he, and he's been excellent most of the season uh, especially in the latter part and, and looks like he's going to be staying at United for the next three years Yeah which is really exciting I mean last week you you, you included him in the list of big hitters from the, the lower levels at United who was probably not going to be here next season but now it looks like he is so that's that's really really cool there's work to do with him I mean he, he from from what I've seen of him he has drifted out of games but he's got a lovely pass on him I mean he, he's a technical player sort of midfielder stroke attacking midfielder I mean he's pretty flexible I wonder whether he's quick enough we'll, we'll see about that one but uh, they must have if they're going to award him another contract they must have some faith in him or unless you're a complete cynic and it's it's uh, solely about retaining some transfer value but let's not be too much of a cynic and and believe that Ferguson thinks there's a future for him in the in the United squad and he, he did an interview with Inside United a couple of weeks ago the, the magazine and said he had uh, hoped to go on the summer tour with United and it's going to be a pretty long and weird tour uh, going via Asia and South Africa and, and looks like Norway as well so around the world trip but that'll be a good one for him if he gets to go on that tour and gets to play a few games and Will Keane's absolutely smashed it this season I mean he's been completely awesome all season long in the reserves hasn't well, he well and especially since Dioff left in, in January yeah, yeah. He's, he's been the main man and he's, he's scored a, a, quite a lot of his goals since January and, and got more game time as well and, uh, and uh, yeah, in retrospect it's been very good for him and he's really come come of age and I mean it's if United didn't have so many forwards on the books he might have had more chances in the first team obviously got the one the one opportunity this season came on as a, a sub earlier this season but but he'll he'll get chances at United I think I think uh, people think highly of Will Keane and he'll probably get out on loan next season there's not really a lot of point of him playing another reserve campaign is there so maybe a loan to a championship team might might well be highly beneficial for him well you you've sort of switched from he'll definitely 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 go out on loan then do you think it's it's slightly possible he'll stay I, I, I mean I can't I can't see it I mean I think we're we're pretty certain that uh, Bob Tov and Owen are going 
going and, and probably Machado as well although folks bigged up the Italian recently didn't he and still says he's got faith in Machado but I'd be, be a real surprise if he's still at the club you know, at least in a full time capacity after the summer she'll go out on loan or be sold I'd think and so that leaves United with three senior forwards so they'll they'll almost certainly bring in another one I, ca- I can't see them relying on Keane as the fourth forward he, he might be the fifth forward if they decide to keep him although that would mean most of the season playing in the reserves again and I wonder whether there's uh, that much value in that yeah it's a, it's a good question uh, we, talking of good questions and strikers leaving in the summer we've had a question on Twitter which I can't find because sadly it wasn't hashtagged rankcast saying uh, will Ed be providing video evidence of his response if Michael Owen does indeed sign a new contract at United well ladies if, if you wish to see me picketing Carrington naked I'll give you the date and time uh, you know what don't don't be so quick to you know rule out our gentlemen listeners wanting to see that as well we're a, we're a welcoming church here at the rank cast you know we accept all lifestyle choices yeah. to skip back a topic at saruman187 asked an interesting question which I, I i was interested in the answer and put out a question on twitter myself how did the villa away fan experiment go of course in the villa game the away fans moved from their normal area to i think the is it the third tier of the north stand third tier of the north stand yeah uh, many parts of the ground will not have got the atmosphere from the away fans that uh, is normal at old trafford and, and they're normally the loudest fans unfortunately that's the, that's the way things are old trafford these days uh, but in the north stand they they got some of that villa wit one of the worst collections i know i've been really down on villa recently but their, their fans are terrible as well yeah not not quite as bad as stoke i still put stoke fans right at the bottom of the list of terrible fans yeah there you go death threats coming <laughs> towards my house from stoke fans no they're not because stoke fans are not listening to this podcast you'd be surprised they definitely haven't got this far into it <laughs> they haven't involved towards podcasts no, i'm not i'm not saying that stoke fans are incapable of using itunes i'm just saying they're probably not listening to the united rant cast yeah yeah you you, you try and backtrack <laughs> um the t- 20 years of the premier league thing's been going around i know you're probably annoyed about it because it's an arbitrary celebration of an arbitrary league <laughs> totally there's way too much arbitrariness and and they missed out two key goals and and did i not t- just talk about them paul skulls against bradford how could that not be in the list of potential goals of the last 20 years uh, and his one against Villa too disgrace disgrace I tell yeah, you no abs- absolutely a disgrace and I think they, they there's a sheer of volley in there which is nowhere near the volley that Rooney hit against Newcastle that yeah, time no that's right that's the other one yeah I was I was actually having a chat with an Arsenal fan and I mentioned those three very specifically and said they should have been in there I'm sort of broadly relaxed about the whole subject so long as Eric Cantona wins for best celebration that's like that's I mean although it's torn because Fergie and Brian Kidd that's pretty awesome I remember Brian Kidd on his knees praising the heavens and then someone clattered into me from behind and I fell about three rows of seats down so uh, that was a mixed experience for me but uh, a joyous occasion after Steve Bruce had headed in the second against Sheffield Wednesday all those years ago the, the, that whole thing's weird the, the, I tried to pick a really unbiased team that meant only 10 United players out of my 11 United have won what you know t- 12 of these leagues and so it's, it's, it's got to be a team if you're going to pick a best of it's going to be a team that's dominated by United players. Ferguson is clearly manager. Uh, Eric Cantona is clearly the player, even if a million Arsenal fans will vote for Dennis Bergkamp and all the press will too. Uh, and I'm not actually sure how the voting works for this. Is it an online thing? Or anyway, Yeah, the man- manager of the year isn't, manager isn't an online thing because I think they wanted to avoid any possibility that Fergie wouldn't get it. Here's the joke in here. Harry Redknapp is in the list. <laughs> That's beautiful. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, his his trophies in, uh, have included a Division 2 title and whatever the LDV Vans trophy was called all those years ago. Realistically, there's only three managers in the shortlist for Premiership, Premier League managers, maybe four if you include David Moyes. But I think I think apart from Mourinho, who's only there for a couple of years anyway, there's only Mourinho, Wenger and Ferguson who are even... I mean, there's there's no debate over what the answer is. It's, it's Fergie, obviously. But, you know, it's hard to even give a bronze medal uh, in that because it's been so dominated by Ferguson and Wenger well yeah Ferguson should get gold silver and bronze all to himself let's face it my, my team was Schmeichel in goal I think that's fairly uncontroversial I have seen some United fans picking Edwin Mandasar Awate picked Edwin uh, that's what the youngins do that's it isn't it that's, that's what I thought I thought that at the time I thought oh yeah that's showing his age there Schmeichel was something else and Mandasar obviously had like a couple of really wonderful seasons at United a, a wonderful time the whole 
whole way through. But but Schmeichel was like no other goalkeeper I've ever seen. He was just he was just immense. He was like some sort of weird concept rather than just a goalkeeper. You know, he was he was the very essence of goalkeeping. Yeah, he he was the Jonah Lomu of goalkeeping. He was a, he was a freak. He was. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously a massive personality, had all the skills and, and scared the bejesus out of any strikers. So, yeah, perfect perfect keeper and we, we miss him still. And there's no de- debate for me there. So Schmeichel is definitely the best goalkeeper in United's history. I think he's one of the very best ever from what I've seen. Uh, obviously, I've only seen part of football history, but there you go. Football was only invented in 1992, wasn't it? And uh, I, I thought he's a better keeper than Van der Sar. Um, every day I'd, I'd pick Schmeichel, so I don't think there's any debate. Right back. I can see people viewing Gary Neville as not the only possible choice, but as far as I'm concerned, Gary Neville is the only possible choice. He's the only possible choice, and of course, in in that list, also included Warren Barton, so, I mean, please... Please, <laughs> Warren. But you know, he had some talent. There, there was, there was. I can't remember who it was, but there was another player who I thought, yeah, no, I wouldn't be too annoyed if he got it. But, but you know, Gary Neville. I mean, you know, the problem is when you start looking at titles won, then it's obviously ridiculous. But, but I think Gary Neville also kind of spent his whole career getting better and better and better as well until he fell off a cliff at the end of it. The centre halves. I mean, basically, it's two of three from Rio Vidic and Stam. I would, I would also accept Sol Campbell. Oh dear. No, Steve Bruce made the list, but no Gary Pallister. Yeah, I know. It's a weird one, isn't it? If it's not two United centre-halves, that's crazy. But, I mean, Sol, Sol Campbell was a brilliant player in his time, wasn't he? Yeah, I can I can almost acknowledge that. <laughs> not, not really. Left-back, well... Dennis Irwin. There's only one possible answer to that question. Mikhail Silvestre. People are going to... Ash, Ashley Cole's going to get that, and what should happen then is all Dennis Irwin's family should go around Ashley Cole's house and beat him up, because it's unacceptable. No, I, I mean, I don't endorse violence, but... Advocating violence. I mean, of course, Ashley Cole's armed, so perhaps Dennis Owen's family ought not to do that. Yeah, Dennis Owen's the best left back ever, as far as I'm concerned. I know it's a big shout. I Roberto Carlos might have something to say about that, but God, I loved Dennis Owen. The, the midfield four, there's only one position where there's any debate, and I, th- I don't really think there's even that much room for debate there. It's do you have Beckham or Ronaldo on the right? Yeah, well, you have Ronaldo, don't you? But, yeah, you do. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, hard on an icon of the last however many years of football 20 years of football that uh, he wouldn't make that team but yeah of course he, he disappeared for the latter half of his career wasn't even in the Premier League so you know yeah discounted on well, that well, well, okay you can't do to have that argument and then say it's definitely Ronaldo instead <laughs> it's like how many seasons? sorry are we considering any other teams here well no I mean there's like, there's there's only there really is only two choices and and like I think Beckham's in with a real shout because he would give balance to that side in a way but obviously you pick Ronaldo the best midfield in Premier League history is is Ronaldo, Keane, Skulls and Giggs and there's no argument no, about it. No, that's very true but Beckham is definitely, definitely on the bench. And then actually where the, where I think there's room for tremendous amount of debate is in the two strikers positions and looking down that list it's it's like oh yeah, we've really lived through a time of wonderful strikers both at United and at rival clubs because I, I think that it's extremely harsh on any list that doesn't have Thierry Henry I forced myself to pick someone who wasn't a United player and I I put Cantona and Burkamp up front together mostly because I thought that would be really funny to see those two up that would be amazing imagine the two of them playing the same team yeah Burkamp was a great player I think neutrals could enjoy watching him play and and ditto with the anaconda Thierry Henry he he certainly lit up many a game and and his career went downhill pretty quickly near the end didn't it um, he was a fine player too and of course Wayne Rooney's not on that list but Alan Shearer is. Yeah, um, at Joe Diego 24 saying Alan Shearer was one of the finest out-and-out strikers of the Premier League era. The finest, unquestionably. Something like he said, something like unquestionably the finest out-and-out striker of the Premier League era. I, I just wonder with Shearer. I mean, he scored so many goals, didn't he? And it was his strength and his his power, the shooting and, and ability in the air and all-round game and all that. But but not a technical player by any means. And, and it really could have only survived in English football, I think. I think he'd have struggled uh, outside of English football because of his physicality and, and something would have been taken out of his game as a result I mean maybe but then then you say I mean it depends what you mean by technical because like his technical ability when it comes to finishing and uh, striking from distance and volleying and free kicks and all that stuff is an outstanding technical player plus he had that stupid celebration where he just stuck his arm in the air with that stupid grin on his face you just want to give him a slap I do think that genuinely makes me think of him as less good than he actually was that and the punditry yeah 
Like, he's generally really negatively affected by his general Alan Sheeran-ness. Which, you know, when you hear Dennis Burkant talk about football, it's an absolute joy. And obviously Cantona, you know, is Cantona. But anyway, the, the, maybe we've given enough attention to this massive attention-grabbing move by the Premier League. But so, It's only for PR purposes and completely arbitrary. Uh, something that is not arbitrary and not for PR purposes, Manchester United's Reserve uh, Player of the Year, Dennis Haroon, Reserve Player of the Year. The nominees are Larnell Cole, Jesse Lingard and Michael. Three fine nominees. They've all had uh, excellent campaigns, and and uh, perhaps uh, the surprise, not in terms of his performances, but uh, that he's on this list. And I don't think many reserve watchers would have guessed it. Is Michael Keane, who's improved immeasurably over the season. I think, and he's really well. Whether he's playing at right back or, or quite frequently in the centre too, and he because he's uh, already made his first team debut and, and looks like he's got a future. And and I'm not sure a lot of people who watched him in the in the youth team thought that. And and then. Cole and Lingard, the Xavi and Iniesta of Manchester United's reserve team, as Danny Welbeck called them. Two fine players, both technical players, flexible players, very modern players. And as long as they can cope with the physical demands of the Premier League, because they are both diminutive, then I think they've both got very good careers ahead of them. Talking of them being diminutive, you've seen the photo doing the rounds of Ryan Giggs teaching Danny Welbeck and Lionel Cole with his back turned. I have seen. Lovely, yeah. lovely stuff. Because Giggs looks about the same age as he is now. And the rest of them are all tiny children. We've been overwhelmed by Twitter questions, so I'll blast them out as fast as possible. Uh, One from at office underscore monkey, ever seeking controversy. Drogba in the summer for free, yay or nay? Nay, no thank you. Not after his performance in Chelsea's 1-0 win over Barcelona in the Champions League semi-final. No thank you, I don't think so. Um, I suspect he'll be off to pastures uh, very lucrative, like Russia or China or something like that in the summer. Uh, That's that's probably what he's after, rather than a a cut price move to United to I can't see that one uh, a lot of talk about Raul I was chatting about him on Twitter too he's he said that he won't be staying in Europe so he's off for the oil money too no he's going to Raul will go to America I'm sure you think he'll go to the yeah. States yeah well uh, of course they have the designated player system in the States where they can actually pay vast sums to the uh, overseas football signings that uh, each of the teams have and the Spanish connection I mean it would just be he would just be a huge star and incredibly marketable and you know for a player who's already made more fortunes than anyone could ever imagine there would also be a genuine sort of because I think I think Raul is a, a serious professional I mean the way he he's had a wonderful twilight to his career in Germany it's just been beautiful to watch so I think I think there will be an attraction to being a huge star in a, in a kind of up-and-coming league and making a bit of a difference and having that kind of impact I, I think I think America's the likely destination for Raul uh, I'm not, not sure what team he'd end up at because obviously the two big ones LA and, and New York are, are well stocked with overseas players so it'll probably be one of the other sides but uh, yeah yeah I think it's probably a good shout um, I, I'd have Drogba if he was if he wanted to come I'd have him for a season uh, I, I mean it's bad enough having Ashley Young and it, it'll never happen but Drogba is just so good the problem he's, he's a horrible cheaty roly so and so but he's so very very good at football they scored a fine goal and we've talked this season about how you'd go about uh, beating Barcelona and, and that's the way uh, not only did Chelsea park the bus but they cranked the wheels off didn't they that, that bus did not move one one shot in the entire game Chelsea had and they scored and, and with 27% possession I mean the, the thing about that game is that you say that this is the whole thing of like when people say the problem with playing Barcelona is you have to play them over two legs and so you might get lucky in one game and they miss their clear-cut opportunities to absolutely decimate you but it's not going to happen twice in a row and they're going to win 4-0 at the new Camp like they did to Arsenal last season it's not even going to be close I wouldn't have thought Chelsea can't concede an early goal basically if they do it ruins the entire game plan they were really lucky Chelsea were really really lucky to get away with that Barcelona were really profligate and in the other Champions League game Bayern scored a dramatic last minute winner to beat uh, Real Madrid and that, that certainly wiped the cockiness off of Mourinho and Ronaldo and Kaiser didn't it so um, that's pretty tightly balanced that one I mean you'd say uh, Real are the better side and they probably ought to do it at the Bernabeu but Bayern a team that can score they've got an excellent front six even if you look at their back four and think mm, you can get at that I one I mean that's definitely the key difference I mean the, the on paper obviously two ones a much better result away from home than one nil um, not just on paper but in reality it is 
Leeds. But but I think that that Bayern look much more likely than Chelsea to score more than one away at, at the Bernabeu because it's not like Madrid are brilliant defensively. No, no, Gomez was excellent, and there's always a goal in Robin and Ribery if they turn up, and Robin especially does blow hot and cold. But but uh, does. I think they can cause all sorts of problems there at, at the Bernabeu, and, and of course you know it's not exactly known for being patient there, is it? So things aren't going well for Real straight away. They'll they'll be getting on the team's back, so that could be an interesting tie. I still I still think we'll, we'll have a, a Clasico final, which I have to say, along with much of Europe, I suspect are very bored of these games because you know exactly what's going to happen. So in many ways, I'd like to see it mixed up a little bit, but I, I suspect it will be Barcelona and Real in the final. I'd like to see it mixed up a little bit, but really, really, really not if it means John Terry playing in a Champions League final again. Um, yeah, it's, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it at all. Of course, uh, QPR playing Chelsea uh, soon, aren't they? Is it this weekend? And, and QPR's players are apparently having a meeting to decide whether they'll shake his hands. The uh, the race gate affair is still hanging over him. And I, I mean, there would be a nice symmetry to it, wouldn't there? If Chelsea did make the final and, uh, and it went to penalties and Terry missed again. That would certainly be amusing. The, the FA Cup final is the least nice football match that's ever happened, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, well done, FA. Not only did you not come down harshly enough on either of these players, although I guess you could say that Suarez's punishment was fairly intense, although not necessarily for the crime committed, but I guess it's harsh to accuse the FA of leniency on that one. So my, my bet here, and I'm willing to put quite a large amount of money on it, is that either the mascots or the teams will come out carrying a, a let's kick racism out of football flag or badges <laughs> or something like that. You know it's going to happen. Uh, and it will be the most insincere piece of PR puffery that uh, there ever has been. But uh, there you go. It's, that's football for you many occasions. So um, what else has been happening this week? I'm sure we've had many questions. We have. Uh, any noises from inside on this deal for Gaitan asked Baldwin T spoiler warning not going to happen spoiler warning ladies and gentlemen I asked I asked Ed about this before the show uh, he was adamant that there's absolutely no way yeah it's not happening and I'm surprised about some of the renewed media interest in this one either United are playing a very clever game of, of extreme smoke and daggers and, and telling absolutely everybody that it's not going to happen uh, and lying about it or the target is someone else and I suspect it's someone else uh, and, and, and I think it's probably a good idea too uh, given Gaitan's fee I mean it's obviously in the papers about 20 and a bit million his buyout clause is uh, in the 40s and I suspect it's just uh, our old friend uh, Jorge Mendes who's his agent of course uh, does so much work with United and and I suspect he's just simply seeking a club and using United as the as the bait for everybody else and of course talking about another one of Mendes's clients he's got he's got about six of them over at Bajiktas it's like a dumping ground for his tier 2 clients at the moment Uh, Bebe is there just come back we talked about him a couple of weeks ago didn't we just come back from injury now what has happened he's been dumped in the reserves and made to train alone for going out to a nightclub till three in the morning the day before a game very very unprofessional Bebe come back home so Sir Alex can whip you into shape and make you the Ronaldo replacement we all know you can be Mm. at written off underscore MUFC occasional guest on the fine can they score podcast which is worse diving like young or feigning injury contact like perch Uh, they're both really bad and I think it's not really significant really which one's worse I'm a feigning injury I think is really really bad and and obviously terrible horrible tragic things happen in Italy footballers losing their lives Mwamba nearly dying you know it's been it just shows you why you shouldn't feign injury because you need medical staff to know whether something's serious or not so feigning injury I think is 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 dangerous and, and kind of in a different league because of that but in terms of like manufacturing contact or feigning contact I don't think there's any moral differentiator between the two is there no they're, they're both cheating in different ways I mean feigning contact uh, to get a to, to get a penalty or a free kick or whatever feigning injury or feigning contact in a, some kind of physical form to get the man sent off or just feigning injury like Didier Drogba in order to, to somehow get a, an advantage and waste time and, and get it into the referee's mind that you're being attacked in some way and hope that it has some kind of cumulative effect they're all part of football that we don't need and unfortunately the powers of B have done nothing about any of that at the moment and I suppose it's not an easy one to deal with because they uh, um, just check the the raging debate out on United Ranton about Ashley Young and, and although it may have seen obvious to many many people that he was diving and something that was pretty distasteful and we don't want it United there are an equal amount of United fans I would say who have supported exactly what he was doing either they don't agree that it was a dive or they say it's a dive and it's perfectly acceptable because it's, it's winning something for the team and, and maybe that's one of the reasons why this continues you know we can all uh, feign our moral outrage about this when it's uh, against our team but when it's for our team uh, many of us us and us 
as a football fandom uh, are quite happy to turn a blind eye because we're getting some kind of advantage yeah I mean I, I'm I'm not but that's there's obviously there's nothing I can do about it but <laughs> you know I'm, I'm not going to say it's acceptable because it's Ashley Young doing it and not Drogba or whatever it's still rotten and there's no need for it in the game of late Wayne Rooney has looked off almost out of gas should next season see him play at a number nine in contrast concentrate solely on goals asks expert the proprietor of the magnificent beautiful reds website well so so this is one thing we've seen around anyway not not simply because it, he's looked uh, off form for the last couple of weeks I mean, i think he's actually been very good in in the sort of number 10 role um on many occasions this season though maybe across the piece it's it's not been always wonderful but there's some talk about restoring really to that number nine role and bringing in a creative player i, I have to say i'm not sure that we'll bring in a creative player of the standard that's required uh, to do that so i think uh, we'll probably end up with a, a, a very similar squad makeup to this season next season with a, a few additions and a few departures and we know all those names so i don't think there'll be loads of radical change there and i think we'll probably end up with rooney playing with well beck and hernandez in rotation predominantly next season that means rooney will play a bit deeper and when rooney plays with Welbeck, there is the possibility that they can change round you know for periods of yeah, the game i mean to... there's been a time when all three of them played i mean and Welbeck uh, tends to get pushed a, a little wider and and th- th- this is what i mean about the perhaps the change in the way united are going to play i mean we, we saw some of that the early part of this season didn't we when they played at pace and one touch football and spilt around cleverly and, and they've kind of changed to a much more possession-based game in the the second half of the season and that's perfectly fair enough because that's what we need to do to get the job done but if ferguson's going to try and inject some pace into the side and play in a more dynamic way next season which uh, appears to be the noises uh, then then uh, yeah i think they're going to be flexible and they'll they'll play a fast pace for attacking exciting football that's what we'd all like isn't it and 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 when you're in, he's excellent for that because he's such a flexible player he just just it, I, I don't mind whether he plays at 10 or 9 uh, i just think it's uh, a complete waste of his talent and extremely frustrating when he plays wide yeah but everyone knows that don't they and it, it only happens very occasionally now yeah when it used to happen a lot especially when ronaldo was around at viva underscore cr7 talking of ronaldo i'm always slightly biased against people with uh, ronaldo related twitter handles so i apologize for this but he says is it wrong uh, that i'm enjoying watching evidence flourish and not overly enthusiastic about vidic's return I- i'd like to answer that in two parts no it's not wrong that you're enjoying watching evans flourish yes it is wrong that you're not overly enthusiastic about vidic's return i mean of course as you pointed out none of us know how vidic is going to come back although my suspicion is that he's going to take a little while and then come back real strong because he's Nemanja Vidic. Let's not forget just how good Nemanja Vidic is. Yeah, uh, Evans's progress has been fantastic, and and uh, Ferguson did a nice uh, thing for Evans by saying he's uh, he's been uh, one of the best defenders in the country. Absolutely, absolutely true. That no question. Yeah, yeah. Well, on form, yeah. I, I I'm not sure I'd, I'd take all these components of his game and and put him in that class. All season though, it's been it's been it's not just it's not like form as in like he's had a few good games. He's been magnificent for about twenty games. Yeah, fine. But are you telling me you'd pick Evans above Vidic, uh, a fit Vidic? No. No, obviously no, you not. Wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. So uh, now I'm looking forward to Vidic coming back because I think he's one of the finest defenders in Europe and he'll make a big difference to United's performance. Rio's not getting any younger. Uh, I don't think uh, Evans needs to worry about his place as such in the squad. He's going to play plenty of games next season. He's had an excellent campaign. Uh, it's a progress in his career. And he's first in the queue right now to, to be sort of first reserve after Rio and Vidic if one of them isn't going to play next season. Brilliant questions. But we rambled on for such a long time about the Premier League's top 20 that we've not really got time to get to too many more how likely is it that we will be able to sign Modric let alone afford no him as MGZ93 absolutely no chance be lovely but it, sadly Modric is only in all of our football manager 2012 squads uh, not in actual real United squad at Gaz Brown asked a question which I want to get to because it really struck me hard when I heard it as well. Sid Lowe was asked on Football Weekly this week about Ronaldo's success in Spain in, in terms of just how many goals he scored compared to how many goals he scored at United. And, and or, I don't know, the, the premise of the question was kind of wrong because wasn't there a season where he scored a ridiculous record-breaking number of goals for us? 42, yeah. And then, then he got something like 26 season afterwards, which was injury hits. It certainly his last two seasons with United just 
started the pattern that he's carried on at, at Madrid. But to get to the question, Sidlow was asked why it was that he'd kind of exploded in Spain. And rather than denying the premise of the question, which is what he probably should have done, he said, I, I, you know, he's asked whether it's a difference in the level of, of kind of defences that he's up, up against and, and teams that he's up against. And Sidlow said, well, one of the reasons is he's playing in a better team. And I'm pretty sure Manchester United 07-08 is a better team than this Real Madrid side. I, I asked Sidlow on Twitter whether whether he'd actually really considered that or just kind of said it on the basis that Madrid now are better than United now, which that's reasonable. But, but that 07-08 team was absolutely amazing. And, you know, the, the team around Ronaldo was phenomenal. So seems seemed a strange one. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's any basis for that. I mean, this Madrid side, you can start saying it's a better team than United when they reach the Champions League final and win it. Yeah, absolutely. I oh, just want one last question. We, we haven't really talked about this. Uh, Fabio going on loan next season. Yeah, a good thing for him, but I think it's an interesting one for, for the squad as a whole because there's going to be, there. not like there's any challenge to Evera at the moment, but there's going, there won't be any kind of challenge. So I, I think it's good for Evera to have someone there because he gets a rest and uh, he needs that competitive edge because I think we have seen his performances drop on occasion, haven't we, over the last 18 months? And he's played, over the last five seasons, he averages something like 48 games a season. It's insane. And he'll go to Euro 2012 with France. He's back in the France picture, so he'll go there. He won't get much of a summer off. And there's massive risk of burnout if he plays another 50 games next season. So United need another left-back if Fabio's going. In fact, it's good for Fabio to go because he needs games. And and we thought he'd progress this season because he ended the season before four obviously you know, in the right back slot start the Champions League final but he's had another whole bunch of injuries he needs to stay fit he needs to play all the time and it'd be much better for him if he stayed in England than goes to Benfica yeah and Trish is asking us to compare and contrast Rafael and Fabio I think it's really different difficult to do so because it's so hard to see where Fabio's at right now because he just is completely out of the first team picture altogether let's just say that Rafael's been excellent over the last few months so he's definitely developed but it's it's a factor of him staying fit and getting lots of games in succession and, and good measure of how excellent we think he's been when, when he missed a game recently and Jones started to write back we were lamenting the fact that Raphael wasn't in the side so um, I, I think Raphael has become a proper United right back he's making far few mistakes and he has done uh, I don't see him as a liability and, and he, he offers loads going forward and he's got a great partnership with, with Valencia it'd be nice if, if Fabio can come up to that kind of standard he's got the talent he just needs, needs to get games and stay fit and and alone will do that for him as may not keep him fit but it'll certainly get him games and and i hope it's in the premier league and and he's a good enough player that it doesn't have to be too far down the premier league either but i suppose uh, ferguson doesn't really have a problem sending his overseas players overseas uh, it does tend to send his domestic players to domestic clubs but uh, it would it'd be better for him if he stayed in England. i wonder if it'll be a north i wonder if it'll be specifically wigan i think that's the destination that makes the most sense well if figueroa goes and uh, which looks like it's possible actually there's some talk about that one then then that'd be a nice slot for him yeah because i mean obviously then he doesn't have to be separated from Raphael, you know in terms of lifestyle and stuff final question from at gareth double underscore that's two underscores after his name he says after being announced as the world's richest club do you expect fergie to spend big now i'm not i'm definitely not having a go at gareth because it's it's an understandable misconception but this is a complete nonsense long-term listeners will remember we've talked about this uh, and a good amount in the past that that list is basically a complete nonsense if you're interested in what the club actually has available to spend on players yeah it's always mistranslated as the richest club it's got nothing to do with wealth there's two main lists that come out each year the Deloitte list and the Forbes list the Forbes list is a revision of the Deloitte list the Deloitte list is basically revenue and then Forbes create an enterprise value which is is revenue plus some kind of goodwill multiplier plus a few other uh, factors they they throw into the methodology now I met the guy who is in charge of the Deloitte list and I told him what a nonsense it was as a proper piece of analysis about uh, relevance of uh, financial matters in football and I have to say he didn't quite agree with me so uh, I think the Forbes list is nonsense because uh, essentially it's based on revenue and what do they say you know revenue is vanity and profit is sanity United doesn't make any profit because we throw it all down the drain on debt whereas Barcelona don't make any profit because they throw it all on players and their gigantic wage bill something like 500 million euros in debt and, and Real Madrid makes a tiny bit 
bit of profit and uh, they spunk most of theirs on wages too so uh, it's a really it's really odd system it's got nothing to do with how much united will spend in the summer at all that's all about cash flow and and this this system is a kind of cheap way of ranking clubs quite how they get to a value that's 20 percent more than this time last year i have no idea united's revenues are definitely not and profits are definitely not up that far especially as costs are increasing pretty rapidly at the moment and but there you go i suppose uh, any investors in singapore uh, looking at that and taking a lead off that i'm sure they're not but but if they are that'll be music to the glazers ears and looks like that ipo will happen perhaps late summer so it could well be before the uh, before the start of the new season or or just into it so and that's the thing that will prompt united to actually spend some money because they'll maybe clear some debt and there'll be quite a bit of free cash flow we're massively running out of time so our everton preview will largely be very nominal i'm gonna say that we're gonna win 2-1 i would love to see phil neville throw the ball into our net again i think it'll be a harder game against villa but i think united's performance will be quite similar i would expect pretty much exactly the same 11 yeah i'd I'd like to see the same 11 basically well maybe nani could come into the side maybe he's up for a starting berth one one thing i'd say about everton obviously pretty disappointing loss in the fa cup semi-final for them and i wonder how much that'll affect them because their season's basically gone now this is that's the uh, one thing they were playing for so i wonder if the impetus won't have that left them somehow and and they perhaps won't have the edge that they might have done in the past tough game i'm mean, no good side everton and uh, still above liverpool in the league so uh, but yeah yeah howard the g-bomb phil neville they're all red agents there they know they know where the loyalty's at and uh, i expect united to go and win and i'm gonna say two nil oh blimey nil no i think it's gonna be two one because i think darren gibson's gonna get one i think it's written in the stars we're gonna get shoot i really 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 hope that every time he gets the ball anywhere in everton's half the whole stretford end starts shouting shoot i'm really looking forward to that yeah but the thing is he'll probably spank on in from 35 yards last minute to beat us no 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 it's not gonna happen so 2-0 you're saying 2-1 i'm saying listeners we're glad you're with us at this incredibly exciting time in the season we thank you very much for listening uh if you've enjoyed the show feel free to throw us up a nice review on itunes uh, which some of you have been generous enough to do uh, and a couple of them have absolutely made my day so thank you very much for them if you want to get in touch with us between shows you can at edward that's at united rant or you can at me that's at utd rantcast if you want to submit a question to the show just at me on twitter and use the hashtag rantcast because then i can find it during the show recording because we're starting to get loads of questions which is awesome if you really really like the show you're welcome to throw us a few pennies just to help cover the cost of equipment and bandwidth that's unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and could not be more grateful to the people that have already donated some people have been super generous yeah and, and if you're a mr b dot gates or m dot zuckerberg and you fancy throwing a few of your well-earned shekels and ipo funds our way feel free yeah no absolutely if you want to set us up for life that's fine and we'll re- repay the favor by doing two rant casts a week we get asked that quite often Fr- frequently or almost all the time which which is very flattering but uh, sadly we just simply don't have the time it's it's really 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 nice that people would want such a thing but yeah because uh, we have jobs in that unfortunate isn't it? It, it unfortunately does get in the way of the the you know real reason for living which is football <laughs> and and there will be football back this weekend it's going it's going to be a big weekend united everton city wolves so you'd expect a, an easy win for the wolves yeah. there <laughs> they're a proper big club with some real history yeah. Chelsea Arsenal in the hunt for third and fourth and I think Tottenham are out of that one now aren't they since they've fallen off a cliff and Newcastle I'm putting all my chips behind Newcastle for fourth place I'd love that so much that would be fantastic because actually like this Newcastle side they've got some fantastic players and, and you know just great strikers at that, at that club and in those Premier League awards that we spoke about earlier quote which is obviously Eric's when you follow the trawler but uh, one of them in there was Kevin Keegan's famous I'd love it I'd love it if we beat them rant and I'd love it if we beat Everton perhaps not as much as Kevin Keegan would have loved it but I I, I think we'll do I think we'll go into the derby five points ahead and that's a massive advantage and a big psychological boost Ah, it's all too much we'll be back next week see you then